Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. I am just happy to be here to continue to just speak to you about the series that we've been going over the past few weeks. And if you missed out, it's okay. Some of these messages are on the iccbali.com page. Um, you can listen to the ones maybe you missed if, it, if it's available. But we've been speaking a lot in regards to winning your city. What does that mean to win your city? You know, a city really is not a city unless there are people, families, living within a certain area. I said this before, if we were to evacuate, uh, you know, the Kuta area, it won't really be a city. It will be called a desolate, meaning a desolate place means nothing there. And so the first week or the first part of the series, we talked about why are we called or why has God chosen us, meaning you, meaning I, to win our sitting? Why are we supposed to win our sitting? And we went through the book of Isaiah chapter 61 and we read those powerful, beautiful words that were prophesied many years before the birth of Christ, which says, because the Spirit of God was here to set people who are captive free said that the Spirit of the Lord, which was found in the prophecy of who Christ was, was to also to release the people who are found in darkness or in their own prisons. And that's why we are called to win, or that's why we are called to win our city, to go out to share the great news of what Jesus already did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And then we kind of went through uh, you know, a quick recap I'm doing now about who are the ones, whom are the ones that are called to reach your city. And I say your city because maybe you're visiting here from Jakarta. Maybe you live in a different country. So wherever you are, that is your place. That is your city. And we went through the things of showing how the Bible declares that we, as the followers of Jesus, are called to go ahead and reach the people within our city. And we went through the word where it talks about how those people who were redeemed are the ones that are gonna rebuild the ancient ruins, rebuild the city, rebuild and restore people. Where we are called to be a people of influence individually. It's not about your position in society, but really it's about having the position of who you are in God. And I love that in God, there's no such thing as second-class citizens. But it says, in God, we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are part of the family. Even so much so, we read that scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, where it says, don't you know that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation separated unto God. And we went through that to show that you are the ones that are empowered. You are the ones that have the spears of influence everywhere you go. And then we also spoke about when 
are we supposed to win our city? When is the right time? And we kind of went through that. When we read the words of Christ, we said, when you go, you know, preach this message and tell everyone about what the Lord has done. He said, tell them what I have told you. And the time, it was not yesterday, but the time is now. And the great thing about the now, it's not like ready, set, go in a race, but it's like when you go, when you go out, that is the time. And today, I want to really set this up so that we can really engage of how to win our city. You ever sat with someone and they're telling you, well, you need to go and do this, and you're like, well, I want to, but but how do we do it? What do I do? What does that look like? And today, I want God to grasp our hearts that can really help us to understand that it is simple, it's easy, of how we can go out and reach the people we know and even the people we don't know. Today, we're going to do a lot of reading in Scripture. So get ready, get ready, get ready. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We're going to be reading from there. I encourage you, if you are taking notes, just get ready. Um, I love, even today, I am still a student. Even though I know God has, uh, you know, I'm a leader and I work in that capacity, but I feel like I never stop learning. So if you're taking notes, it's always good to jot down or write down what I'm saying so that you can go back and review. Because the Bible talks about how even people, um, it says the people in Thessalonica were taking what Apostle Paul said, going back, reading the scriptures of the Old Testament to confirm what he's saying was true. Acts 16. We're going to start with verse 16, and it reads like this. It says, once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave servant who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates, judges, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks, meaning the chains. So how do we win our city for Christ? 
I read this story on purpose because for a few weeks now, that story in Acts 16 has been like burning within my heart. And I know that we were in Isaiah chapter 61, but I want to take a little detour today to let you know that this is one great example of how these people, these men, were able to win a city that did not want them, to win a place where they were rejected. See, the biggest thing, and I guess the approach I want us to take today, is usually we're told if you want to win your city or win people, you must go and share your faith. You must go and pray for the sick. And that is very true, but I want to come to you with a different approach that if you really want to see a city transformed in Jesus' name, because like we said last week, uh, last week, not last year, last week, you are kingdom influencers. And so to let people see who God is in your life, to win, we need to be a living testimony for Jesus. People need to see you live your life in Christ, not just hear the words you say. I know in America, you hear this often, or my parents will say this to me often. They will say, Jason, your actions speak louder than your words. Can I get an amen from every parent in the house, right? Because if you say one thing, but then live a different lifestyle, what you do will speak more than people than what you say. Maybe even this word has been thrown around. They were like, well, if you live one way, but then say something else, that's a little bit of like being a hypocrite. Now, I'm not here to call anyone out, but I'm here to encourage you that your life is the best living testimony that people can see because people are observing you. This is why in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, I love how the Passion Translation says it, but it basically says that everything we do in life, that you're not really liking where you're working. The Bible says, don't do it for a paycheck, don't do it for Gaji, but do it for God, and you'll notice how the joy and everything else you need will come with it. You know what's amazing? It's because if you do everything with a spirit of excellence that's different, perfection means you try to get it perfect, there's no such thing, and God is not in that. But a spirit of excellence means, God, I want to do it all within my strength, my ability, and Lord, I do it unto you. And those good works you are doing, if it's in your city, if it's in your job place, if it's in your family, people take notice of the good things you do, which in turn glorifies who God is, who Christ is in your life, in my life. If you want to when the city, just know that people are observing you because our actions speak louder than our words. What are they observing? They're looking to see how you interact or even respond 
to those who are in need. I know that it's the true in America, but also here at times when there is a crisis or a need, you see a lot of people put those emoji with the two hands up and say prayer and thoughts, thoughts and prayer. And I'm not against that. But people are watching to see, are you responding? Are you sitting with people? Are you giving your time or your financial resources to those who are in need? Or are you just saying, well, I hope things work out. Good luck in Jesus' name. Are you actually spending yourself with that person? I remember studying in the early church. This is during the time right after Christ was crucified and he rose and was risen to heaven. And the early church, there was a great famine that took place in the land. It went all over, not just in Italy and Rome, but it was all over Asia Minor, the Middle East. And so what happened is the people who were Christians, a Christian supposed to mean you're a follower of Christ, what they did is they gave up the only food they had for that one day. There wasn't abundance. There wasn't prosperity. But they took the only thing they have and they gave it to their neighbor. And instead of eating, they said, well, I'm going to now fast and pray for my neighbor. Because I want my neighbor. I want the people in my community. I want the people in my city to know Jesus like the way I know Jesus. So are we also having the same reflection, the same attitude, the same way of life of when people are in need? Are we giving to them financially? Are we trying to help them? Or are we standing back and just saying thoughts and prayers? People are also observing how we function in times of stress, difficulties, or facing problems. Because if you say that the God of all the universe lives in you and lives in I, but then the moment a, a, a crisis comes in your life, do you panic? Do you worry? Do you become fearful? Or are you in a place of God? I know it's going to be all right. In the times when you face those problems, are you gossiping? Are you becoming angry? Because see, people are watching those things. And I thank God that in Christ, he said he did not give you permission to have a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of love, power that's in God, and a sound mind. A sound mind means there's no anxiety. There is clean, clear thinking. Well, you know that even though you cannot see the solution, you do not know the end game. You know that God is with you and he's going to walk it out with you. And there is a peace about you. And the greatest thing is, this is something you don't have to work up. You don't have to, oh Lord, I I'm going to fake it till I make it. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. But the way it works in the kingdom of God, that in your weakest moments, in the place where you feel insufficient, that's when God's power can be magnified. 
and manifest in you and in your situation. And you can walk through difficulties and conflict knowing it's going to be okay. Can I get an amen? People are also observing what is our source of peace. They observe to see if you try to find peace in different places. I know some people try to find their santai, their peace, maybe in going like getting a massage or going shopping or doing all these things. But people observing what is your true resource or source of peace. I thank God that he said that the kingdom that he has, the kingdom that we live in, is not about material things. Nothing wrong with that. But it says that the kingdom of God that lives in you, that lives in I, is about righteousness, being a right standing with God. It's about the peace of God and his joy. See, a lot of people get this a little bit confused, a little bit turbalik, reversed, where they think peace means it's the absence of conflict. No, 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 no. Peace means that in the middle of conflicts, you have a smile on your heart. You have the joy of the Lord. You know that God is with you, and no matter what happens, you're going to be okay with the outcome. That's the peace of God that he gives you. He doesn't make you avoid the issues, but what he does is he walks with you through the issues, through those difficult places, and people observe that saying, man, I know that she was going through a difficult time with her husband. I know he recently lost his job, and somehow he has stayed steady course, and nothing affected him. Why is that? Because truly, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The peace of God he gave us is not a small measure where we have to ask for more. But the Bible declares that when we decide to follow Jesus and surrender our life and allow the light of Jesus Christ to live in us, it says that his spirit, his raw, lives in you. So you get the full deposit, and it is a deposit, of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says it's our, it, it's, it's our counselor, it's our truth, it's our peace, it's our guide. So that lives in you, so you have the fullness of it. So when you're going through these issues that people are seeing to, see, to make sure, is Christ real in your life? Who is this God you're saying? Oh, you don't have to pray for more peace. You just say, Lord, I'm going to pray your promises over my life. That your kingdom that lives in me and lives in others, it's about the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that your peace is with me always. We're going to read a little bit more because peace and joy goes hand in hand. But I want to share with you that if you worry, how many of you, I'm putting my hand up because this is me. How many of you have ever, ever um, woke up at night 
thinking about a problem or a situation that just woke you up and made, you're thinking about it. How many of you here? All right, all right, we got a few hands. I got two hands up. That just shows you you know how to meditate. But I want to let you know that what you can do is when you wake up in the middle of the night, you can start meditating on the promises of God, and I guarantee you, you'll be able to go back to sleep just like that because it's his promises that gives you the peace and assurance that everything is going to be all right. And if you find yourself worrying, I want to encourage you that you know, sometimes people separate worry and fear, but worry is based in fear. And basically, fear is having faith in the wrong God, lowercase g. And I want to declare to you, he did not give you that spirit, but he gave you one of peace as well, one of joy. Amen? So let's, let's continue to read in Acts 16. <clears throat> Because I love this story because you're going to read about the peace of God in a situation that took place. And it says, in about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying when they were in prison. Remember, they're locked up. They're beaten. It says, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I'm going to read fast like I'm in New York. Forgive me. Please read the screen. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and he was about, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But he shouted, do not harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for the lights. They rushed in, he rushed in and trembled before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and he and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took, took them, washed their rooms and immediately he and all his household, household, wow, was baptized or were baptized. The jailer brought them, brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I've been reading bad English, that's terrible, and I'm English, or American, what do you want to call it? One thing I want to tell you, now we talked about how our lives are living testimony and people observing it and the promises we should know. But the greatest thing is that when you do have the peace and joy of God, you can't even be locked up in prison like Paul and Silas and still be able to sing praises to God. I don't know about you, but even for me, that will be difficult. Because a lot of times you want to say, why me? Where are you, Lord? Why am I locked up? I didn't do anything wrong. But instead, these men realized who God was. These men realized the promises of God. And in setting, letting out complaints, they let out praise. And yesterday, my wife put up a nice um, social media post, which was forwarded by Bill Johnson. 
And that post on social media said, if God inhabits our praise, then who inhabits or receives our complaints? Good thought. And so I want to declare, instead of letting complaints and all this stuff out, let praise come out of your mouth because you'll be able to encourage yourself and to encourage others. And what they love about this story, it says that when they were worshiping Jesus, everyone was listening to them. So as you were encouraging yourself, you were also encouraging others to believe that there is hope, to believe that there is a way out. You are the spiritual thermostats everywhere you go. What is a spiritual thermostat? That means if you go into a place that may seem lost or hopeless or even dark because you stepped into the room, now that place can change. Because in Christ, we are not called to be thermometers where we test and gauge the atmosphere and the people, but we're called to be thermostats where we can set the temperature spiritually for the things of God because you are in the room, because Christ is in you and he can make it happen. That's who you are. I remember, um, I remember la- uh, this past June, I was flying back um, to the States. I was out of the country. I was uh, visiting my father's gravesite. So my father passed away, my dad passed away July of last year. He was on vacation and long story short, he passed away unexpectedly. So, you know, as you know, that was a time of grieving and things of that nature. So I said, I know I'm going back to Indonesia for a few years. So I want to go visit my father's gravesite because I don't want to live with the thought of thinking I should have maybe paid respects to my father's gravesite at least one more time before coming back to Indonesia. Anyway, I was flying back. I was going to do a two-day conference in the state of Pennsylvania, and I got... My, my uh, connecting flight was in Atlanta, sorry, a different city in America, let's put it like that. And while I was there, there was delays. And so what happens is sometimes when you are delayed, you get a little bit frustrated. But I think I learned early on in my life that sometimes when you are delayed, it's an opportunity for God to use you for somewhere right there in that airport. So. Amen, I love that, come on. Um, So I remember I got there and I found out my plane was delayed a few hours. I had to call the pastor who was gonna come, you know, pick me up to delay this thing. And I'm sitting next to this man and there was a lot of people who were delayed for hours, 12 hours, 18 hours. I was lucky, I was like two hours because there was a big storm that came into the city and didn't wanna leave. So... As I'm sitting there, I'm talking to the person next to me. I'm just striking up this conversation. And I begin to tell him how I just came back from visiting my father's gravesite. And he began to open up saying, well, I was on my way to visit my father-in-law's funeral because he just passed away suddenly. So his wife's father. And he says, and I've been stuck at this airport now for 18 hours. They keep saying, it's only gonna be delayed two hours, then they delay another two, 
Chris knows, he travels. Another three. And it kept getting delayed upon delayed. And now he said, I'm going back home because I'm going to miss the whole thing. And, I'd be able to, and I was able to right there and then say, I just came back from visiting my father's gravesite. And let me share with you the peace I had because he had no peace. Another thing too, he wasn't a Christian. A lot of people think that people in America are Christians. Well, surprise, surprise, he was not a Christian. And right there and then I took the time. It was a setup by God as I was encouraging myself knowing that even though I physically miss my father, I know it's going to be all right. And he just lost his father-in-law and I share with him why I have peace, why am I encouraged, how I reacted, and I begin to share the gospel with him. And right there and then, I prayed with him in the airport with a lot of people, and he just began to cry and weep uncontrollably because it is the Spirit of God that lives in you that can minister and encourage others. And then I begin to tell him, let me tell you this peace you feel right now, if you decide to follow Jesus and give your life to him, this is a lifetime of peace that you can live in from this day forward. I want to share with you to invite others to believe and follow Jesus for salvation. This is how you can win your city. Next slide. I'm going to go kind of quick. I want to do something at the end. See, salvation is not just about making it to heaven. A lot of people get that wrong. Salvation is about being renewed and transformed here and now on earth and it continues when we are in heaven. Because the word salvation means you are forgiven, you are healed, you are protected, and you are delivered or you receive deliverance from any stronghold or attack that has been in your life from the enemy. And I love how the Word of God says in 1 Peter 3.15 that we are to revere, to give reverence, to have a holy and healthy fear of God and be willing to share our hope with others. And it says, do this with gentleness and respect. If you want to win your city, just know as you're encouraging people, also tell them about the hope that you have because this hope is not exclusive, but this hope you have is inclusive for anyone who's willing to follow. Can I get an amen? And all it takes is someone like you to share that message of hope. It takes someone like you to share your testimony. I'm going to move on. I have more stories. Lastly, we are called, if you want to see your city one for Christ, be ready, be willing, be open to set people free in Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? That means if you see someone you know who is sick in their body, you can tell them that how through Jesus Christ that there is healing and they don't have to be believers. I have seen God do countless miracles and they were not Christians. That is not the prerequisite for a healing. But the prerequisite for healing and for someone like you, for someone like you and us to believe that God will and can use you. He's not looking for superstars, but he's looking for a willing heart who's willing to say, God, if it's your will, I believe you can do it for me. I want to read this verse, and we're going to close with prayer. It says, 
God gave you authority, I love this, to heal the sick, and he gave you power over every demonic spirit. Acts 8, verse 6 and 8 says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, Philip was an evangelist. It says, they all played, paid close attention to what he said. You understand? People will hear what you have to share because what you're sharing is your story. What you're sharing is your hope. And people are always looking for hope. And it says, with streaks. Streaks means people were yelling, ah! Impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. This is my favorite part of this verse, which I just heard again this week. And so there was great joy in the city. There was great joy. We as a people, I want to tell you that where you work, where you go to school, where you live, in your family, because of Christ in you, there should be great joy the places you are. Because you are there. Because you have a message of hope. Because you can literally put your hands on people and say in Jesus' name, I speak life and healing over you. You can speak over demonic spirits of depression, of anxiety, of suicide, and say in the name of Jesus, I command every impure spirit to get out now in Jesus' name. Because we are called to go out and win our city. We are called to see it transformed because of you. Because of what Jesus has already done. He paid the price. He accomplished it all. He destroyed the works of sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. He did it. And all it takes is someone like you to say, God, I believe that my people... This is our people. If you're living in Bali, Bali is your people. If you're living in Java, Java is your people. If you're living in Australia or Singapore or America, those are your people. You can say, God, my people need to know this. My people need to have an encounter with Jesus. Because once they taste Jesus, they will never be the same. Once they experience in a miracle, they will be confronted with a question saying, is God real and his name is Jesus? And usually the working of signs and wonders and miracles makes them convinced that Jesus is the way. And I want to show you right now how easy it is. Not because of me. Because the Lord Jesus is good. We're going to have some prayer time right now. If you are sick in your body, wait, sick in your body, if you feel like you've been dealing with anxiety, depression, anything that feels more spiritual than physical, sick in your body, or spiritual attacks, can you just raise your hand and leave it up? Raise your hand. I want to pray. We want to pray. Amen. Keep your hands up. Keep your hand. I wanted those hands to stay up. Anyone else? I believe there's a lot more people. If you're sick in your body or you feel like you've been spiritually attacked, like you're living with depression, 
you cut yourself, whatever it is, anxiety, keep your hands up, because today the Lord Jesus is going to set you free. Amen. I see your hands. See your hands. All right. Can you do me a favor? I want to see you better. Can you stand up and keep your hands up? I need to see you better. Just stand up. Stand up. Raise your hand. Stand up. But did he see that gun? Just stand up. All right. Keep your hands up, please. Keep your hands up. All right. You see the people who have their hands up? If you're sitting down, go find someone with their hands up. We're going to pray together. Amen. Get up. Go find someone right now. If you're sitting down. I need everyone in this auditorium to have someone right next to them who's going to pray and we're going to declare. Don't start praying yet. Wait. Wait for some instructions. Don't start praying. Not, not yet. Who else has their Who doesn't have a person? I think right there in the back. Can someone go meet that person way in the back? They have their hand up. I don't see someone. Anybody else? Nope. Does everyone have a person next to them? Yes? All right. In a minute, not yet, wait, one minute, the person who's receiving prayer, who had their hand up, you're going to ask them, how can I pray for you? Not yet. You're going to ask them. The person who's receiving the prayer, you're going to answer them in a very short answer. Don't go, well, back in 1999, when I was on my Sepeda Motor, Sayajatu, and now I have a bad back. No. Just say, I have a bad back, and I've been having for years. I need healing. Say, you know what? For the past six months, I've been having nonstop anxiety. I declare anxiety is defeated in Jesus' name. So right now, go ask. Ask the person how you can pray for them. Okay, now the person should be responding. Don't pray yet. The person should be responding. All right, we should, 10 more seconds. It should be quick. All right. All right, let me get your attention. Now, the person who's going to pray for the one who needs the prayer, if they say, hey, I'm sick in my body, you do not pray for the peace of God. You understand? You command that sickness to go in Jesus' name. If the person is dealing with anxiety, you address it like it's spiritual, not physical. You say, you spirit of anxiety, I command you to get off this life in Jesus' name. You understand? So go. Pray for them now. Let the prayers be lifted up. Begin to declare over the life that they are free in Jesus' name. Declare it out loud and boldly in Jesus' name. Command that thing to break off in Jesus' name. Lift it up. Lift it up. Jesus, you are glorified. And I thank you that today is a day where people will see your glory manifests in the gifts of healing, in the gifts and working of deliverance and miracles. We declare that every broken body, every broken heart is healed in Jesus' name. We declare that every demonic spirit has no authority and no hold over a person's life 
and we cancel that demonic spirit in Jesus' name. We speak joy. We speak peace in Jesus' name. All right, we're going to wrap up in 20 seconds. 20 more seconds. Wrap up your prayer. Close up your prayer. 20 seconds. All right, all right, okay. Stay right there. Don't leave. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Everyone, attention up here in the front. Give me attention. The person who received the prayer, well, you were the one getting the prayer. What I want you to do is, if you were physically sick, test it out, work it out. Let's just say you had a bad back, like bend over, touch your toes. If you had pain, try to find the pain. If there was like a tumor, try to feel that rock or whatever it was. Check it out to see where you are, how you feel. Also, if you had some type of like anxiety, you're probably thinking, I feel so much better now. You can tell that the atmosphere is different. Check it out. It's, we're testing. Amen? Okay. Right now, for the person who received prayer, if you test yourself out and can test yourself out, if you feel 80% or better, 80, not 100, but 80% or better, do me a favor for a testimony unto God. Wave your hands at me. Just wave like this. Amen. I see you. Wave your hands. Amen. Who else? Who else? Only two. That's it. Three. All right. I know my time is up, but we're going to pray one more time. If you don't feel 80% or better, I want you to re-pray for that person again right now. Take one minute and whatever they need, they need to pray for, command that thing to be healed or feel better. Go again. One more time. Pray one more time. Because I want them to feel 80% or better. Declare that they are healed. Pray one more time. Got to wrap this up. Got to wrap this up. But pray. I don't want to rush the Lord. Because of, I, I know. Give, give us five more minutes. Because I'll be done in a couple minutes. All right. If you were prayed for again the second time, and now, oh, let me get attention. I'm sorry, one. I'm messing it up. But if you were prayed for the second time, not the first, but second time, but now you feel 80% or better, do me a favor, just wave at me. Wave at me. Boom. My man up here, lady back there, amen. May the, right there, may the Lord bless you. Did you see how easy that was? So this week, I'm gonna encourage you. You wanna win your city? This week, can you pray for two people you know? Pray for them in your private time. Make an appointment to see them and begin to share your faith and pray for them in public and ask their needs. And I guarantee you, you will be able to impact your city and spheres of influence. Thank you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.